0: smarter than God. They disobeyed Him. And ever since then, everyone who's born into the world is born into sin. And that's a sobering thought for me this morning because my second grandchild was just born yesterday. And as I held her in my arms last night at the hospital, I thought to myself, Jesus died for you, Hattie. Before you were even born, Jesus died for you. And while you are still sinful, Jesus died for you. It's hard to think of a little baby one day old who's sinful, right? It's hard to think that way because they're so innocent. No, they're not. The Bible says they're born into sin, and they need to be reconciled to God. And here at the gathering, we hope that that happens as soon as possible, <laughs> as early as possible. While we were still God's enemies, God took that first step in removing the judgment that was placed upon us because of sin, and He sent His own Son to suffer in our place to bring about Reconciliation. Reason number four, Jesus died to show God's love for sinners. The measure of God's love is shown by the degree of His sacrifice. He sent His only Son to die. And when we add the horrific crucifixion, that Jesus endured, it becomes clear that the sacrifice that the Father and the Son made on our behalf was indescribably great. The measure of His love increases even more when we consider the degree of our unworthiness. God shows His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Our debt is so great, only a divine sacrifice could pay it. And don't forget, it's not just your sin, or your spouse's sin, or your friend's, but it's the whole world. And, but now, along with Paul, we can say, like he did in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who what? Loved me and what? Gave himself for me. He loved me and he gave himself for me. He loved you and gave himself for you. Think about that for a minute and your head will surely explode. I mean, it's just mind-blowing truth, isn't it? A third reason. Jesus came to take away our condemnation. The great conclusion to the suffering and sacrifice and death of Jesus is this, Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's got to be one of my favorite verses. At least one of my favorite in Romans chapter 8. I love that verse, don't you? Because I'm one of those guys that had an awful lot of condemnation in my life. You know what I'm talking about? People are just too happy to load you up with more condemnation. It's like a dump truck backing up. Beep, 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 beep. More condemnation over here, please. Overloaded with condemnation. Family, friends, teachers, schoolyard bullies, employers. Some people have the spiritual gift of condemnation. But there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So to be in Christ means to be in a relationship with Jesus by faith. To be in Christ means to be accepted by the Father and really secure in His love. To be in Christ means there is no more condemnation. None. Zip. Kaput. No condemnation. We're we're done with that. Amen? We're done with that. Reason number 2 Jesus came to bring us to God 1 Peter 3:18 For Christ also suffered once for sins Oh I'm tempted to digress there and talk about our friends who re-sacrifice Christ every time the service takes place and the little bell rings No no Christ suffered once for sins. He doesn't suffer over and over and over again. He suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And at the cost of his son's life, God himself has done everything necessary to captivate us and fill us with inexpressible joy, namely himself. Through his death, Jesus brings us back to God where we belong. That's where we belong. We belong with him, we belong in fellowship with God. A few days before Christmas, a woman by the name of Linda Alsip was joyfully reunited with her car. 28 years ago, her classic Forest Green 1967 Mustang was stolen. The Ministry of Transportation was alerted when somebody tried to register this stolen vehicle. They sent the case over to the police, and the police went to investigate, and sure enough, they found that this car had been stolen years before. The officer actually located Linda's stolen car report from 1986 and connected the Mustang with its registered owner. And Linda was through the roof. I mean, she was so happy. she said, "I can't believe it. I thought I'd never see it again. It's like winning the lottery." Really? It's just an old car. She, she bought the car for $800 in 1985 when she was 17 years old, and about a year later, it was stolen outside of her apartment, but she got it back 28 years later. Now, we would argue that the best gift anyone could ever receive is the gift of a relationship with Jesus. I mean, I, I would argue that point until... I had no more breath left in my lungs. That's the, that's the very best gift that we could ever receive. I mean, a classic Mustang would be nice, but this is way better. This is way better, a relationship with Jesus. Jesus died so that he might bring us back to God where we belong. That's where we belong. That's what we were created for. And finally, reason number one, Jesus came and died in order to grant eternal life to everyone, to all who believe in Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him, whoever believe, whoever believes in Him, should not perish but have eternal life. Whoever, there's that word again, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So Jesus made it plain that whoever believes in Him, whoever trusts in Him, has eternal life, and whoever doesn't, doesn't. So rejecting the eternal life He offers will result in the misery of eternity in hell. Say, so you, you actually believe in a literal hell? Well, if I, had my, if I had my druthers, I'd say no. I'd rather not believe in a literal hell. But the Bible doesn't really allow that. And so those who reject eternal life and reject Jesus will spend the rest of eternity in hell, and that's a sobering thought. So for all these reasons, and more, I said there were 50 or more, and there are, for all these reasons and more, Christ suffered and died. So, why would you not embrace a Savior like this who came and died in your place to give you life? Why not? Why, why would you not embrace the Savior He's such a wonderful Savior. Why would you not embrace the Son of God by faith and just trust Him for the rest of your life? He puts so much on the line for you and for me. Why not trust Him? And you can. With, with, with simple words of faith that might sound something like this. Dear God, I'm convinced that Jesus suffered and died for my sins, I, I gratefully trust in him now as my Lord and my Savior and my precious treasure. I now understand that Jesus is the only way I'll ever receive your forgiveness and your promise of eternal life. And I pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. It's, just a, it's a simple way of expressing your faith in Jesus. And maybe there are people here this morning who are ready to not just read that prayer, but really pray it and make it your own. Maybe you've done that. If not, I urge you to do that. And then everyone who who makes that commitment and trusts in Jesus, well, we (laughs) we need to be reminded once in a while of what he's done. And that's that's why we celebrate communion every once in a while here at the gathering. It's meant to be a reminder to us of all that Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. We celebrate communion from time to time to remember or commemorate the work of Jesus on the cross for us and to remind us of the power of the resurrection. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11, The master Jesus on the night of his betrayal took bread... Having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of a master. You'll be drawn back to this meal again and again, until the master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. Anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the master irreverently is like part of the crowd that jeered and spit on him at his death. Good Friday. Is that the kind of remembrance you want to be part of? No. So examine your motives. Test your heart. Come to this holy meal in reverent awe. So let's do that. Why don't we uh, take a moment this morning and just right where you are, just quietly bow your head and, and just say, God, I'm so sorry for all the sin in my life. Please forgive me. Let's take a moment for silent prayer, silent confession of our sins. And then we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Father, you promised in 1 John 1, verse 9 that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and you'll forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. And we're going to take you at your word this morning. We've done that. We, We just took a moment of silent prayer to seek your forgiveness. We've come before you bending low before you in a spirit of awe and humility, confessing our sins. And so now we thank you in faith for the forgiveness that you bestow in Jesus' precious name.